0: Created live on Fireside.
1: Welcome, everyone, to YNS Live with NFL Thread, our new series, Pivot, with our guest, Kurt Coleman. Kurt, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me today. It's uh, it's another, not quite as blue as I like to have in Charlotte, but it is a beautiful day, all intents and purposes.
1: Which is awesome. So Cynthia and I are so we're so excited about Pivot. Cynthia, do you just want to tell the listeners before I have everyone broadcast live just a little bit about Pivot and why we started it?
0: Um, definitely. Pivot, um, it's so personal for me because it just deals with um, – player and family transition out of the league so it tells the story of navigating into the league that wonderful experience and then that crazy experience that we all take part in right during transition it's a short or long period of all of our lives and to me it's so interesting to hear how we all kind of go through it of course It's always going to be personal, but we can all learn from each other. So that's why um, I love this series and I love this topic. And I love hearing what guys and families are doing after the game as well.
1: Well, because I think it's so important and I think that's one of the things that we talked about, you know, why I always become so fascinated. So before Kurt, we jump into this, I do want everyone in the audience, whether you're we have a bunch of people listening here on LinkedIn, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and then we have some people here in Fireside, and I know people are going to be jumping in and out. Um, uh, thank you, Dave. And so if you guys can all click the little two lines at the bottom left and you'll see where it says broadcast to the world. You can send that to some of your friends and family so they can listen in because this conversation is going to be really good. It's going to be so um, insightful, Mm -hmm. interesting, and there's so many connections, which I'm really excited for you guys to (laughs) learn about. Um, As I was learning about Kurt, I was like, wait, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about this. So um, first, I would love to tell you guys really quickly where you know I know Kurt you started your season um in Philadelphia and our listeners all know that Philadelphia is a really special place for Cynthia as well with Michael in the league and then I grew up right outside of uh, Philadelphia so when I started my podcast your next stop it, it's about people that followed a passion and turned it into a business. And right away, I said, I have to contact Cynthia Zordage. Now, Curtin, you don't know this because we just kind of talked about it in the green room. Is I used to babysit for the Zordages when they were in Philly. So that's how I got, it. isn't that crazy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you're, I'm, are you, I'm assuming you're referring to when he was playing. Is that not coaching? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Yes. When he was playing. Wow. Wow.
1: And you Zee. had Michael as a coach, right?
2: Uh, I, that's it's crazy, you know,
0: Juliet.
2: It, it is that is a full circle because um, you know when I met Z, um, obviously I knew about him just as a player, but never had known much more. And then you get to know him and his family, and he opened up his house. It, it was you realize that um, you know obviously they always say the husband, but it is the wife. You know, Cindy brought us all in. I, we were doing stuff with the Bert Bell. I mean. It was just amazing. And you just see how amazing the Zordich's family is. You know, Big Z, that's my guy. That is my guy, but it's the family that I love.
1: (laughs) No, and it's so true. And I've said, so this is what's really cool. And then, you know, we're going to dive into your story. But when I was I was 16 or 17 years old, my mom actually taught the Zordiches and the Tuscani. So Tina and, um, and Jerry, who are Cynthia's uh, sister. And it was really, really cool because we got to meet a lot of people because of my mom being a kindergarten teacher. And we were really good with kids. And, you know, so my mom would recommend us to everyone. So I remember when I, you know, 16 and 17 years old, and this is when Cynthia had just, you know, they really just moved and she started her, her career. So it was really cool for me to behind the scenes as a young girl watching her. And as you know, as you said, they're a very cool family, but also the love and the dedication and the support. Seeing that was really, really something that was um, inspiring to me when I started my family. I remember going back and thinking, okay, I remember Cynthia did this. She was so chill with this, but then she had rules with this. And, you know, it was fun for me to think about those days. And then when I started the podcast, you know, I, I was like, I need to know. And so then it was really cool for me to hear her story, where she was and as she entered Philly and how she got into the photography and all of that. And I then was connecting the dots for me, being like, oh my gosh, I remember, I remember you going into the dark room and being like, can you just take the kids and do, you know, do this and go outside or go to the park? Yeah. And then coming home and seeing these pictures and being like, oh my gosh, you're so cool. You know? yeah. <laughs> you're so funny. You're so funny.
2: The, the, yeah. But
0: for me, with Kurt, it is, um, it's so special because. It's true, like going through Philly as um, a player's wife um, was interesting. And then all of a sudden, you're a veteran wife. And I remember one of the players came over for, you know, we were having a party, and I thought he was one of, Probably one of your boyfriends, one of the babysitter's boyfriends. I'm like, oh, honey, come on in. She's <laughs> gonna be here any minute. She must be running late. And my husband's like, babe, that's our new safety, Matt. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, honey. You know, because it was younger. And then when <laughs> when Mike went back to coach with um, Coach Reed, that was exciting because that was my kids who were now in college. And Kurt, he's Kurt's only one year older than my oldest. And oh, wow. I so love that. to, to embrace Kurt as a young man coming into the league, I mean, my husband was in the room, in the draft room when Kurt was drafted and everybody in Ohio was texting him because, you know, we're Ohio state territory and it was really like immediately, you know, this is somebody you wanted to kind of know and to bring under your wing and get to know the family. So, you know, Kurt and Laura, I mean, you guys were babies when I met you babies Mm -hmm. (laughs) how old like 20 uh i
2: was yeah i I entered i entered um as 21 years old um shortly after you know turned 22 but yeah very very young when you talk about you know coming into the nfl into a a major billion dollar corporation that's run you would think seamlessly there's a lot of cracks in it but um you know it's it, it was very um it's fast paced, but you're, you're fortunate when you have the people in your lives, um, whether you knew them or you didn't know them, they help guide you along and they're there to help support you and care about you in a, in a, in a way that's not just in a monetary sense. And and I'll say this, like from the get go, um, you know, the, the Zordish's family, they brought me in like literally into their home when uh, Z and I, I think, had known each other for a couple weeks and I wasn't able to do any practices because I was still trying to graduate. And he's and I was like, because I I was very I wanted to go to camp. I wanted to prove myself. And it's a cutthroat business. And I needed to know the place. He spent the whole day with me at his house. And I I reflect now and I'm looking at it because, you know, as a as a husband, as a as a dad. And it's like, you know, he took away from his time with his own family um, to spend time with me. And I just appreciate that because that gave me the leg up that I needed to succeed. I got my foot in the door and I was able to do the rest, but it was, I'm I'm fortunate.
0: Yeah.
1: And and Michael yeah. is, I mean, he is, you know, Cynthia, spe- he's a such special man as well. I mean, you, you know, he loves coaching and we've talked about it, you know, when we had um, Michael Vincent on, their older son, uh, he was just on the episode and, you know, talking about when his dad was there and and, you know, Michael's dedicated and he also loves the sport. Like yeah. that's when you have someone that's dedicated to what they do, but then they deeply, truly are passionate about the sport. It's almost like this, you know... This, this this bigger, you know, thing. So I would love to talk a little bit about when you started football, like kind of taking you back to your younger years, where did you grow up um, and how football was introduced to you?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up, I was one of nine kids. Uh, I was the youngest boy and um, back in Dayton, Ohio. And it was one of those things where, you know, football was a sport that you always played. And I think, Again, I, I try to reflect while I'm still living in the present as a, as a, as a father because kids nowadays have so much structure around it. And I remember we would just find whoever we could around the neighborhood, go find a green field, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes the street, and we're just playing football, growing. <laughs> right. And it's just right. um, it was just something that I just loved to do. And then for the last maybe like three years going into sixth grade, so from third grade up to sixth grade, um, one of my friends, their dad was the football coach, and he just kept begging my mom, just let him play, just let him play. And she's like, I don't want my baby to get hurt. I don't want him to get hurt. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, and I said, hey, on, I'll, be all, I'll be all right. And sure enough, um, so Pee-wee started in sixth grade, and on my first uh, official carry as uh, I was the flanker, um, I ran it in for a touchdown. And it was just uh. one of those things where, my mom uh, notoriously was kind of running late to the games because she had our other kids that she was dealing with, and so she's walking in from the <laughs> end the end zone of the parking lot and sees me running into the end zone and she's just going crazy. And I think from there I, she <laughs> realized I think my baby's gonna be all right in this sport. And so I, I was very blessed and fortunate. Um, I thought I thought baseball was actually gonna be. Uh, the sport that was really going to propel me to the next level. I always wanted to play professionally, but I never thought football was going to be the, the platform or the, um, the conduit to go there. And after my junior year, I ended up with, um, I think, 10 interceptions, you know, whatever, many tackles. And you could just see the interest from all these different types of universities of, oh, man, this guy, I guess he can play. He plays, he does this. He plays corner. He does this. He plays wide, wide receiver. So I was like, awesome. This is a whole new experience. And I, I really sat down with my family and I, and I think we said, I think football might be your sport. And I'm like, I got to give up baseball. So it, it was a really actually tough decision mm-hmm. of do I want to try to pursue what I loved at that time or do I pursue something that I know could give me a, a free education, um, a wonderful experience at some top universities. And so um, that was probably one of the first major decisions that I had to make were um, leaving something that you love knowing that there may be a better opportunity mm. that's lying ahead of you and not realizing though, that I would fall in love with football. I would dedicate my rededicate myself to a sport that I thought I just loved to play or just like to play. And, you know, ended up choosing Ohio state, but it wasn't my first choice either. Um, Ohio state was a choice that um, after visiting some schools, you meet different coaches and, and the players and the, the cultures that they've kind of developed and built there. And I realized, you know, Jim Trestle, was a man that cared more about the person, um, what he was able to mm. do outside of the game of football, what he would do once he uh, had his degree. Um, then he did. Then he cared about what you could do on the field for him. Because he, I think, he felt like he knew he was going to bring you on. You're going to be a good football player. We have some great coaches. And you, like his coaching tree, uh, you know, speaks for itself. But he's like, "What are you going to do when you're done?" And that was what resonated mm. with me when I was making my decision. Um, because I will say this, and I I try to tell a lot of the young guys that I speak with, you know, football is going to end at some point. Um, And when it does, what are you going to fall back on? Like football can be a party life, but it can't be your whole life. And for me, like I was, like I said, I had a great family that kind of helped guide me, but also I had great mentors throughout my whole way. And so when I went to Ohio State in 2006, Again, you know, young, I was 17, I graduated high school early. As a 17-year-old, I'm thinking, I'm going to start. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to go to the NFL in three years. And you don't realize it's a little bit harder. And, but uh, um, but I, again, um, that was kind of the first journey and the step you know, into the college realm.
1: Yeah. And you know what I love? Because we've now had so many conversations with people. You know, our first Pivot episode was with Joe Barksdale. And something that he said, which I thought was really interesting, was he didn't love football you know, he he did it and then because he was good at it and he fell in love with being good at something. And I thought that was so profound. You know, he's like, I actually thought sports were stupid. He wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> and so, but he was good at this. So <laughs> for you to having, isn't that funny? I was like, oh, that's such an interesting way to think about it. He's like, it was the first time adults were happy to see him. He wasn't a burden. And, mm-hmm. and, and then he just fell in love with being good. Um, and I played college sports. My kids are athletic. Like I get that, you know, that is something where I'm like, okay, I can really resonate that. And and that's one of those things which I love, you know, the coach at Ohio State, he understood how to see the whole person you know, and and connect with the whole person. And that's what storytelling does. And that's why we, Cynthia and I, love being able to share stories because stories are what connects us, what helps us learn, what, you know, really, you know, someone can be listening to the story and and they hear Ohio State or hear this and they're like, oh, now I have, a, you know, a, a different understanding of what, you know, Kurt went through or nine kids. Oh, I was one of nine, you know? So it's yeah. really interesting to hear that. So when you had to make the decision with, oh, go ahead, Cynthia.
0: Oh, I just wanted to like um, mention that Coach Trussell, the fact that I would think that he would love to know that that was a part of your decision because, you know, Coach Trussell is here in Youngstown and mm-hmm. of course he's the president of Youngstown State University and that's his message, is his mantra to all of the kids at YSU. It's like, what are you going to be after, you know? And, and I just so think that, that's so incredible to me that you had that presence of mind as a high school athlete to think about that and to have that message come clear. When I think a lot of other players block that message out, they don't want to hear about life after anything. They just want to play. They want to start, you know, they want to start all four years. You're right. So that's incredible. It says a lot about you as a person, you know, you're an old soul and you always have been. I
2: I, I have been. (laughs) I mean, I, 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 I enjoyed it because growing up, my dad and I, we would listen to the temptations, earth, wind and fire. I always felt like that was my, my era that I should have grown up in, but it, it, it really is true though. I think, um, you know, having a mature mindset a mature spirit that when you can approach situations with an open mind uh not feeling like you knew, you know, it all um, it really helps you kind of develop and, and see what other people are saying. It's a You know, the old adage of, when we talked about the history of life, you know, when you would go into a village or a tribe, the most revered people were the elders. And it's because they had so many different types of experiences lived or taught um, or, or spoken. And, and that's who you can lean on as, as, your, as your advice givers. Whereas now it's mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's social media as your advice giver. I mean, or your friend, your peer that has not gone through life. And I think that's kind of mm-hmm. uh, I think a big piece missing, too, is I was very fortunate, like I said, when um, when I was going through all my processes, um, you know, I had my family. I had some teachers that were in my lives at that time from high school that were help guiding me. And then obviously, when you're looking up to where do I want to go, those people are telling you the right thing. And that's why I come back to mm-hmm. when I first got to the NFL, I had Mike Zordich that was there to help guide me. I mean, it's just, I didn't do it. I didn't do it by myself and I could never have done it by myself. You have to have people along the way to help guide you along.
1: I love that. And it's so true.
0: Your, your relationship with your father, I would like to hear more because, you know, you personally, and, you know, through, you know, his, you know, diagnosis and that battle and what that has meant to you and your family. And, even you as a father today. Can you share a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the the good and bad about it was uh, my parents divorced when I was five. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, statistics that say, you know, broken households and what happens from that. And um, but I I remain confident that my dad made sure that he stayed very close and intact with us at all times. Um, So even when, you know, my mom moved to uh north dayton he made sure that he was at least 30 minutes away so that he could always come and see us and be a part of us um you know obviously for the weekends but just more or less any type of event that would come up activity so that was something that i always appreciated was even though it may not have worked out as husband and wife he was always remaining to be my father my dad and present um to show me things of how to how to detail car um to, um, you know, to to mowing and the, just the hard work and and what it looks like to just serve others. He's still a teacher um, right now. He's been teaching, I mean, my whole life. He's been a coach. He just retired two years ago from coaching. So um, seeing him being, being able to serve, my mom works at the VA um, um, or well, worked when I was uh, that young. So I saw her serve veterans. So like being around the giving your life in service of others was a way to actually um, find out your true purpose and fulfillment. So that's kind of how I grew up. And then even to this day, I mean, my dad still remains a, a constant man in my life that I look up to, that I ask for guidance and wisdom. Um, when I actually uh, graduated high school um, early, two weeks into uh, spring ball, I was faced with a, a devastating um, uh, an event where I had paralyzed one of my teammates. And, um, you know, there were, there were times where I was ready to walk away from the game of football because life. I didn't want to go through life knowing that that was on my conscience. It was, it was weighing on me heavily. Um, you know, and through my faith, through, uh, the guidance of my family and my coaches have kind of that to let me know and reassure me that, you know, it was not my fault that it happened. You know, I was a part of it, but you know, how do you turn this, this tragic situation into something that we can actually, um, uh, make it a triumph. And so, uh, my good friend now, um, you know, we he started a, a foundation, and now I've been a part of his foundation, and it, and he's taken his situation, and we've been able to find out how can we service others, and so you have that, and then six months later, we're getting ready to prepare for the national championship game. One night, my dad calls me at about I think it was like nine or ten o'clock at night, and he said, "Hey, I just want to let you know I have stage two breast cancer," and I'm laughing. Like, Dad, that's funny. Like, I'm tired. I'm just trying to get ready for a national championship. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And wow. I kind of sank into my seat um, trying to digest what was actually being you know, told to me. Like, um, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, cancer is it, its a word that we all know, but we don't really know. And until you either experience it yourself or you experience a close loved one that's going through, um, going through their own battle, Um, you realize it it is, it is an intimate thing. It is something that, um, it takes people to help support the person that's going through it, even though you feel helpless at times. Um, I was, I I was hurt. Um, but I was yet very strong because of his strength. Um, after he told me that he had stayed true breast cancer, he said, I'm going to beat this. And from that moment, my mind went from what is this that we're dealing with? I didn't even know men could get breast cancer To All right, he's beating this. And that's my dad. Like, that's my dad. He's beating this. Um, and then mm-hmm. um so i we go play the game he held off his um, his chemo treatments to come actually watch us play in, uh, in glendale arizona uh and again i saw what it looks like to sacrifice yourself for others like there's there's just moments in my life where i'm just constantly reminded that um you know there's so many people that are going through things and people can lean on your strength or sometimes they can lean on your weaknesses as strengths and I saw my dad battle every day, Um, didn't miss a day of school, didn't miss a day of um, coaching. He went and did a a front page article of um, having a double mastectomy um, to show the vulnerability. Um, And a lot of times, especially as males, I think women do a really good job of of really communicating their feelings and their emotions. Um, Men have we we have a hard show that we'll put up and it's it takes um, it takes a lot of courage and strength to actually be vulnerable talk about some of our, our real issues. I mean, there's a reason why uh, there's a reason why the, the, the suicide rates are it, men are 75% more likely to commit suicide than women. And I really think it's a lot of these issues that we internalize as, as men because we have quote unquote masculinity. What, what, what is that? And so it, it's, um, so it, it was that situation. Um, he had another bout of prostate cancer and then he's had several health issues throughout the way. But I, I've leaned on him and his mantra, which is have a bad day tomorrow. You know, all those chemo treatments that he would go through, it was have a bad day tomorrow. Um, have a bad moment, don't have a bad day. So it's like you take these things throughout life that people are giving you and you hold on to them because I realize I'm going to go through things in my life. I mean, I'm 30. I'm about to be 34 on um, on Friday. And I realize that I have a lot of life to live, but I'm going to go through a lot of. Yeah, I like
0: that. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> Happy I have a lot of life
2: to live and I know that I'm going to go through things. And when I do go through things, I'm going to lean on my experiences or the experiences of others that I love um, to help me get through those. That
1: wow. So I, I love that so much. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Cindy. <laughs> I know well, we
0: You know, you, not only what I, what I love about you is that You know, not only do you go through them, but you take that to the next level. And you've done so many things in the community to spread the word. You know about you know the fact that there is the male breast cancer does exist, and you and your family have done so much in the community. And I definitely want you to share what you've done with all with that cause and to propel that and to you know create the awareness of it. Um, Even. As a young player coming into Philadelphia, you immediately got involved off the field. You were immediately involved in, you know, the community. And I remember even grabbing you to take part in what was Eagles Fly for Leukemia, which became mm-hmm. Michael's Way. And you, you know, did the poster for Michael's Way with those precious um, boys from that had leukemia. Um, do you remember it was after you had right. three interceptions? <laughs> three I, I still have that
2: poster. I still have the poster that they, <laughs> that they gave me. I-
0: so awesome. It was like, what's better than these three picks, these two smiles? And Kurt mm-hmm. was the poster for Michael's Way that raises tons of money for um, the fight against leukemia in Philadelphia for years and years since the beginning of time. And you were only your second year in, I think, and you were already that person in the community. And so I just... I appreciate all that you do. And I wish you would share all the things that you guys do with all of your efforts in your chair. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, and that's just one of those things. So when, when uh, my dad went through his battle with uh breast cancer, we realized, obviously, I mean, what kind of things do you want to get involved in? Well, breast cancer, obviously. Um, and so we started to do the Susan G Coleman um, opportunities, the walks of Philadelphia and Columbus. Um, and then, From there, uh, while still in college, um, I helped start the chapter for Uplifting Athletes, which was to raise money and awareness for rare diseases. So that actually originated in (laughs) Penn State, but um, but it was it was it was a honestly that was a great opportunity to really kind of dive into what else is there that um, that I don't know about that people are battling that's really not talked about, and so. Uh, we did something with uh, the CMT, which is the Charcot Marie uh, Tooth disease, which is basically a uh, muscular dystrophy, and we we held an a. It was cool. It was a gaming event, um, and this was before everything got crazy with how gaming the e esports world is. This was like the first where we were able to play different types of universities, and we would have contests, and it was wonderful. But the most wonderful thing were was about we had opportunities to expose my teammates to other people that were battling these diseases, um, expose them to um, opportunities where, what does it look like to give outside of yourself or do something outside of yourself? And that's what I really was uh, enjoying at that time in college. And then once I went to the NFL, again, being a part of the Michael's Way, I'm still uh, doing some things with Michael's Way down here in Charlotte. Um, but really, it, it you know, my wife and I, you know, and I give her a lot of kudos because You know, I I get really ambitious a lot of times and she's there to, you know, to help push me in in those areas. She has a lot of things that she likes to do as far as how do we give um, to different types of um, organizations, nonprofits, or even just uh, something that you don't even have to worry about giving, just spending time. And so that's the thing that I think her and I have really started to kind of show our children is this is what life looks like. Um, We are very blessed and fortunate to be able to have these things, but not everyone does. And so for us to be able to, do these things and have these opportunities here in Charlotte now, where um, we've done stuff where at our Children's Levines, um, during, when I was still playing in the NFL, they would have uh, the uh, the month where you could wear your own cleats and, and have your own uh, foundation or nonprofit. So we did a really cool thing, which I loved. I had uh, my two oldest kids, we came and we had kids um, from all the pediatric cancer wings come down and they would draw their superheroes. And superheroes could arrange from uh it really could have been a superhero like my favorite is wolverine but it could have been their one someone had uh (laughs) drawn up their own made-up superhero which was um for lungs because they were having lung issues so they had a superhero Mm -hmm. made after the lungs and so and i put all of their superheroes on my cleats and i really enjoyed that moment because um you, you realize, and you're sitting down with these, these families and kids, and it's like, you guys are smiling. You guys are having a great day. What, what, what is it that I could, could ever can complain about that's in, in comparison? And there's nothing. And so I, I put myself in their shoes um, where I'm like, how can I help you out? How can we help you out? And so that following year, we did a uh, clothing drive. Um, so I had a couple of my sponsor, uh, sponsors give their clothes. Um, And then we did a, almost like a spa day. So we had all the kids come down. We had nails, we had music, we had food. We had a time for the parents to kind of come down and just unwind for whatever it may be, an hour, two hours. Because again, there's one thing, again, when you go through a situation, it's the person that's actually going through it. And then it's the people around them. And so when you're a parent,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you are there with your child. Sometimes people have to leave their jobs to spend you know, sometimes it's, it's it's it is it is a stressful and, and try it is it is a tough time as a parent. So then, how do we give them an opportunity to kind of get away? So we gave them time to kind of relax, have the kids have a blast, and then you know, obviously, reality sets sets back in when you have to go back to your rooms. But it's how do we continue to keep that going? And so we're we're a part of that. Now we're starting something at the uh, at our hospital down at Novant, where my child was for eight days this past year. Right. Um. So again, we talk about things through life of uh, my youngest daughter, who is two now, um, she battled in the hospital for eight days. And so we didn't know at the time what it was or what was going on. Um, She had a really bad fever, really bad rash. Um, Her her lips started to turn red. And so we took her to the doctor and they ruled out flu. They ruled out um, covid. And so we're like, well, what is this? And we were very thankful that um, the doctor was like, you need to go get the blood her blood tested. So we did. And they still weren't finding out what it was. Long story short, it was Kawasaki's disease. Kawasaki. And again, it's one of those things yeah, where- Yeah, which is- Well, like the, the statistics say, you know, your child's not going to have it. But then again, you're, you are that parent. And so my wife and I, again, um, are thrown into a situation of um, this, is, this is us. Um, and then- we found time though, throughout it all, like you see, again, your situation, you see other people's situation. And you're like, wow, like, you know, we are fortunate we're here. This is not, a, this is not good, but we are fortunate. We're still, uh, she's still getting the care that she needs and there is light at that end of the tunnel. And so we were very thankful. It was a very tough um, and, and, um, and hard eight days, but we had so many people around us again to support us. And so I, I look at it and, how do we give ourselves now? So that and, and that's why we're partnering up with Novant at the Hemby uh, uh, Children's Center here, and then uh, again, still doing the, um, the the breast cancer. So um, my wife and I we have partnered with a, a local restaurant where we do every every year at in October we call it Nine Under the Stars. We have local band, food, um, and we just raise. Uh, you know, off of a lot of auction, silent auction. And we raise around $50,000 every year for that. Oh my and, and again, God that's, that's just, amazing. It's just one of those things where, it, you know, I'm very fortunate. Again, Charlotte has kind of brought us in. They've accepted us as one of their own, even though I think Charlotte's much more of a transplant city than it is an actual city now that, that people just grow up here. But I love <laughs> it because, um, it is a great city. It's a great city to raise your family. And so many people are willing to donate their time, money, or other resources to help out your causes. And that's why, honestly, like, um, I love Charlotte. It's just like Columbus to me, where people just rally behind people that they love and support. And so, I, I mean, that's a few of the things that we're, that we do, that we're a part of. There's many others that, um, you know, without me rambling, there's many other things that I like to get involved in that my wife and I get involved in on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, one of those things that you didn't even mention, but I was reading headlines and I'm like, I love this headline. It said, Panthers. Kurt Coleman spotted at Target buying thousands of presents (laughs) and it was so great because you were buying them for the kids at the hospital at Levine hospital and I was like what a great headline I would want to have that printed you know that is that says a lot about you you know spotted buying thousands of presents and at Target I just and that is one of the things that you and Laura do and also the fact that you have made friends in Charlotte you're the all the guys you played with. And it seems like once you go to Charlotte, you don't want to leave. Um, you, you have such a nice network of beautiful friends and I can share personally that my daughter Aiden and her husband Ray, and now, you know, little Reagan James Mm -hmm. are in Charlotte and just my last visit. We just kind of had a fun family night with the Coleman's with the four beautiful kids and Aiden got a really great taste to see how to do it right. <laughs> and we what, she, what she's saying is
2: <laughs> they, they, they bought into our crazy lifestyle of four young kids <laughs> and, and they put up with us for a few hours.
0: <laughs> no, we had a blast. And it was so fun for Aiden and Laura was just so precious. And the kids, you know, they just casually will do like, you know, a triple, like, you know, backwards, like backhand spring in the family room or triple somersault. And you know, they just kind of casually walk around doing gymnastics like, you know, their bodies just go. And, you know, they're just all so cute. And KJ, of course, is just, oh, my God, they're all just so adorable. So just to see you guys and just to really feel your family and be with your family in the home, I'm going to do it many more times. That it, it was a yeah. great night.
2: Yeah, it really I was. love it. And yeah. I have
1: – oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say – it, but it, it all brings this back to how you were raised. And this is, again, where the stories all come in. It shows so much – how from the foundation that you got from your mom and dad you know whether it was together or separate they raised you guys to be you know faith they raised you you know and and I was raised very similar where you know god has a path for us right so you need to you need to give God, your grace, and when when you're confused or whatever, you got to ask God. And so it really is, is is very visible that that's what you you know what, how you are living your life and raising your kids' lives by showing them what your parents did, you know where and as you grew. So that's again with the storytelling, you know that's that's the story that connected you and kept you to continue it. And I love that you guys all got together in Charlotte. And my you know as I told you in the green room, my sister and her husband have been in Charlotte now for years, and their in laws moved. To Charlotte and they've been trying to get us to Charlotte I can't even tell you how my husband is a Bronx New Yorker and he works in advertising and every year we'll be like oh let's put you know we'll put an application and we love where we live but you know who knows what we don't know where it, you know it life brings us and it always brings we, we're always staying in New York we're like this is what God you know this is what God wants us but yeah. so I think it's such a beautiful thing though um and when Cynthia was talking about the gymnastics my daughter was a gymnast when she was little so that's how she literally used to do cartwheels down the street and, um, and, and, and it shows, you know, the love for sports Like you know, you guys, and I know Cynthia shared that your four kids also, um, play sports, but I would love if, if I can ask how did, cause we keep talking about Laura and I know nothing, right? I don't know anything <laughs> about Lara, So I would love yes. to know how you guys met and, um, you know, and, and, and then when you started the family.
2: Yeah, this is like the story of, um, like, you know, cin- it's like a Cinderella story where, uh, she is the, the the princess at the time, and I'm just the. It's more actually Rapunzel, honestly. Where I look at, <laughs> she's Rapunzel, and I'm like, lay down your hair, type of thing. Um, no, I, it's it's actually an awesome story because um, she went to Ohio State to play soccer. She's a, she is a baller in herself, so that's why um, it's it. highly competitive when when we have things going on. But um, and so our kids probably pick up on that as well. But it's it was one of the stories where we just knew each other um, in college. We were really good friends. Um, had a lot of similar friends, and um, just that, that kind of was like the the path all the way through college. Um, I, I was a year ahead of her, and I always say, you know, even though we're the same age, I'm a year smarter than you technically. Um, <laughs> and I, that, that's something I would tell her myself. So that's nothing that she doesn't know about. But. Uh, <laughs> But then, um, so when I actually went to Philadelphia, I was drafted by Philadelphia. She's from the outskirts of Philadelphia. And she's like, well, hey, you know, since you're from Philly, why don't, you know, why don't we hang out and I'll come show you around? I am like, perfect. I don't know anything about this big city. I mean, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. This is much bigger than that. And then her and I come out, or she comes out and visits me, and she's like, well, to be honest with you, I, I live about 40 minutes away. Like, we never actually came down to the city. <laughs> like, <laughs> she it. <loved and>, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was uh, honestly from there, from that moment on, I always said um, I knew that she was going to be someone in my life that I that I cared about much more than ever before. She was an angel that was brought to me. Um, she honestly is the yin to my yang. Um and you know there there's obviously every story has its highs and its lows, its ups and its downs. But the one thing that has always remained fast is is our is our love for each other and to support one another and be there for each other. Um, and I think that's what that's really what life and love looks like. Is is that um, unconditional love to be there for your for your uh, better half and and so she has been with me. Um, we we had our first child uh, my third year. Um, I said my first child, our first child. Um, uh, mm-hmm. My third year in in uh, in the NFL, and then from every stop that I went to, whether it was from Philadelphia to Ohio, Ohio to Minnesota, Kansas City, back to Carolina, Ohio, like she's right there with us. Um, you know, with the with the family, with the kids, and we just kept on adding more kids, and so. I think the the mother's role, just in general, is a very um, sacrificial role. Um, it's a very selfless role, um, giving of oneself literally to carry the baby um, to the what they do, um, you know, once the baby's first and then all the way through their life. And um, it, it, it takes a special woman um, to be with somebody um, through the NFL ride. And I know um, every 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 family and every marriage has its own Issues or uh, whatever you want to call it, but um, it's tough sometimes. When uh, I remember, I I went to the locker room in Minnesota after our last preseason game. I come home early. The garage door opens, and she's looking at me like, "What? Why are you home so early?" And I'm like, "I just got, I just got released. Essentially, I just got fired from my job. I don't know what I'm going to no. do. I don't know what we're going to do." She was pregnant with her second child. She was, I think, four months pregnant. So I'm like, "I don't know what we're going to do." Like um, and so. Literally that next day, I'm like, all right, Kansas City wants me. I drive six hours down to Kansas City. She packs up the, our um, town home at the time and drives six hours, two days later, like without question. So it, it's just, you know, I, I couldn't sit here and talk to you guys, be in this position. Um, our family could not be in this position without her, her guidance, because like I said, there's I love it because she sees things in a way I don't see it. You know, um, I, I try to lead our family the best way, but sometimes she's like, are you sure like this is the right move? Or are you, you sure that this isn't like, and I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. And it works mm-hmm. out. Um, so for any men that are listening out there, um, there's a reason why there is the other half because they have mm-hmm. a true intuition and a guidance about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, honestly, it, it's a great thing where I can always lean on her for a lot of, a lot of extra guidance.
0: I think that that's beautiful. Thing, yeah. Yes. And Laura is like, the one thing I love about Laura is that she consistently thanks you for your sacrifice and and I, and every time she does i i get so emotional about that because you know you have gone all over you know you've played in a lot of places i think when you were in the saints you would drive home just to see the kids just to see what the, anything that they were participating in or just to be there for the for the family i get emotional but when when you thank somebody for sacrifice like that hits home for me because you guys you know you do You do so much, you miss so much, and you're you know, to be there it is a lot of work and it is a lot of sacrifice and it's a lot of driving late nights and it's a lot of you know being very, very exhausted, but the the love that you have and for her to recognize it, it's not like you're supposed to do it. It's like thank you for what you do for our family and and what she does for your family and for her friends. Like Laura's very involved in the NFL community. She's one of those girls that if you need something, she's absolutely there. She's very, she just jumps in dives into friendships. And, and -hmm. I feel like we were consistent throughout from the time that you guys left and in staying in touch. And that says a lot about a person. So you're right. You you got a special one there.
1: Yeah. And you know, and I, but I do, and this is what, you know, when we started this whole series, I was fascinated, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife and, you know, and then I think about a professional athlete's wife and, they don't get enough acknowledgement in in my personal book because you have to be a very special human to be able to hold the family together but not only that as you said the cuts the injuries you know when when someone is they're meant to play a sport right that's what they're that's what god has you know kind of directed them to and that's all they know you know i think society doesn't really kind of highlight it and think about okay let's think about this emotionally like he just got hurt now he's done everything that he's always loved and you know and now it's gone or this person just got you know transferred I know Cynthia and I've talked about this before before you know when my kids would be like oh this person got traded and we'd be like oh this is exciting because we're a big sports family so we listen and we watch and I after my first episode after talking with Cynthia I said. I'm never going to be like, oh, that's great. I'm gonna think about the wife and the family behind and what that does. and 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 think there's something more there and that takes a special woman it really does and it takes a special man to understand okay this person is holding so much together and it's hard for them too right i mean it's hard for them to to manage the expectations the feelings the vulnerability like you know so can you take us a little bit through that you know i mean i know you were in the league for 10 years but on your you know transitioning out pivoting out of the league um, how did that happen
2: well, uh, and you're absolutely right. I, I, there, there's there's a stress and a strain, I think, on both sides um, when you when you talk about it, when you think about it. Um, so, just transitioning out, it, it was one of those things where my goal was always to get. If I could get ten years, Lord, you know, I, I'd be at peace. And so, you get ten years, and then you're like, well, maybe I still have one more Emmy or whatever. But you don't realize again um, after a certain time. I, I, I had to say to myself. Am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for my family? Um, what, what is this that I'm chasing now? So I, I really actually two years and in in COVID actually kind of helped put a buffer. Um, the year that I officially was done, it was during COVID or the pandemic in 2020. So it gave me some time to really look at, maybe start to draw up some business plans or what areas would really um, encourage me to go. Um, I went to school to be a teacher, an educator. Um, like I said, from my, both my parents, just giving of oneself and and watching other people grow and succeed and find their success, that that intrigued me. So I met with uh, the head of the school where my kids go at at Charlotte Latin, and um, this was a month at, before May uh, May, so uh, or right before March. So this was in February, and him and I sat down. And we were talking about ideas and opportunities and what, what, what is it that you want to do? I'm like, you know, I, I want to be a teacher, but if I teach just in one grade or one subject, I'm only going to see a certain amount of kids. Like, how do I reach the whole student body? And that's kind of where we left it. And so obviously the pandemic happened. And so I was like, oh, man, well, guess that's not, that's not happening. So I started actually thinking about maybe real estate would be my thing. And then that following year, um, I started to do a little part-time work in the admission side. And I loved it. I was seeing, you know, and assessing kids. Um, I was touring the families, talking to them like I was talking to them just like we, we were talking, like very candid, straightforward. Just what do I like about the school? What is you know, what are areas of improvement? Um, I want to give you the honest opinion. Like um, and so I did that. And at the end of the uh, school year, um, my director at, of admissions, uh, she was like, well, um, there's going to be this role, you know, is this something of area of interest? Like, are you ready to, you know, kind of walk away from the real football realm and do this? And I'm like, I think I'm ready. And I, again, sat down, talked to, to Laura and her and I discussed, you know, the pros, cons and, and everything. And, and and I think that transition is, it's a transition for all. It's not a transition for just the athlete. It's a transition for the family because mm-hmm. I go from literally in-season type of life, Alex, like football, you knew. 6 months out of the year I was in the off season. 6 months of the year I'm in the end season. It's very predictable of your schedule. You know what to expect. Um, and then when you go into kind of corporate world, it's a it's a it's a different experience. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'm around a lot more. Every day I'm coming home at a certain time like and so I think that transition of us communicating like I wanted like I I always felt like I wanted to pick up the pieces that I never got to while I was playing and take things off her shoulders. But what I didn't realize, honestly, when we were going through it was sometimes I was taking areas of what her role was and make, and not giving her kind of her fulfillment of life and role, if that makes sense. So as a mother, as Mm -hmm. as a wife, like there's certain things that she wanted to do that I, I was like, well, I need to do this because I haven't been here for the last two years, essentially. Like, and not realizing like, and it was both in good intentions. Like I was trying to help out, but she was like, that's a part of what I love to do too. So it's that right. constant communication of just finding out what are they, each other's new rhythms, new routines? How does it work? What does it look mm-hmm. like? Um, and I think it's, it's still growing. I mean, uh, now that this is two years fully outside of the game, um, you know, and I'm still ambitious about other things and endeavors. And, uh, and I know she's starting to get ambitious about certain. So it's like, I think the most important thing, though, is what I will come back to is, is that, A, number one is we love each other unconditionally. It's not always going to look right or feel right or be right, but we do love each other unconditionally. And through communication and that love, we're going to figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yes. Um, but well, yeah, it's honestly, okay. it's a, it's a it, no, it's just, it's like, it's like water. We're, we're just, it's, we're constantly moving and finding <laughs> a new, a new, a new level. Right.
1: Well, and communication. And again, that, that is something that is so like, I, I talk about this all the time. I mean, communication is really the most important, I think thing in life. Um, you communicate, you have a feeling you need to talk about it because people, as we talked about earlier, you don't know how to express it. You stuff it, you know, when we were talking about vulnerability, when you were, um, and you know, the male, you need to communicate things. And I love that you guys are like, okay, this is different. So we need to keep it open. I mean, I know, you know, during COVID, so many of my friends, you know, they're, they're, husbands and they they would fight more than they ever have. I know my husband and I had more disagreements and it was because okay, we need to figure out this new normal, but let's do it where we respect, because we respect each other so much. Let's just figure out how it's going to work together. And then him going back to the office and being back in the city and not being here, it's been like, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, okay, I have to start cooking again. Okay, sorry, kids. (laughs) This is not not my strong point. But, you know, here here we are. And they're like, oh, we had dad for two years. And I'm like, I know. And you know what? We had dad for two years, right? We're so lucky that we had dad for two years. Yesterday, I made chicken burgers. And they were raw inside because I haven't made chicken burgers in a long time I'm like we just need to all work together and so I love that you and Laura did that I love that you guys communicated that and said okay and that she was able to say to you okay no I really love that you need to find something else (laughs) that you can help and feel fulfilled but this is what I love and this is what you know this is what I want yeah I mean it's really important And I think the transition that you left is such an interesting one. And Cynthia and I have talked about this so many times. Every player has a different story, even if you guys you're leaving the league. So that's the, the thing that's the same. But everyone and that fascinates me. Like, I love just kind of digging into that because that's like, okay. it was time for you to go. You know, there's players that it's not time. I mean, I know, Cynthia, and we've talked about, you know, Michael, and he wasn't ready, you know. And then and, and then Michael Vincent, how it was – he wasn't ready, but it was his time. So it's, it's so interesting to kind of really think that. And that's what I want the audience really – to stop and just think when people are leaving the league or in any kind of sport or any kind of life transition, because we all have them, you know, becoming a mom, you know, uh, you know, when your kids leave, there's so many different things that you need to give yourself grace and you need to explore it. You need to ask questions. You need to dig deep, but you don't just kind of have that feeling and then stick there. You just need to kind of, you know, work through it and and not stuff it because that's when you, when you stuff it comes out somewhere else and it's usually not good.
2: (laughs) Yep. Right. Absolutely. I, and I, I and I agree uh, you know, wholeheartedly with what you're saying, because I always uh, there's analogy of especially, I think, in the sports realm um, and football is one of those things where it is truly a brotherhood. It's it's a locker room type atmosphere. There's nothing that's going to replicate that feeling, mm-hmm. but there's other things in your life that can be fulfilled and purposeful. And I think that's how I look at Like, if I try to do something that's going to fulfill that football void, it's never going to fill. And so then I'm always going to feel like it's inadequate. It's not. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. But what I can say is, you know what? That was a good bucket that I just got to have. That was a nice bucket. So what else can I go into? I love that. Um,
0: Beautiful.
2: But that, that, you know, that's sometimes I think some of the pitfalls that we as athletes fall into is that football is our only caveat, or you know, whatever sport is like. That's our. It's our only thing. And there's much more to a person than just one thing, a one component.
0: Well, I, I personally love that message um, because, okay, so many times I feel like players and families disregard the bucket. They, they mm-hmm. act like it didn't happen. They're, they're embarrassed that, it ha- that it's over, so they act like it never happened instead of celebrating it, instead of acknowledging yep. how wonderful that was for the family, for the player, for the fans, for the extended family. So, yeah, you did it, and you did it great, and you did it for a decade. You know, that's unheard of. So now you're like, well, I don't need to try to find something that is going to equal that. It's probably not possible for me. So now I'm going to do something else that is impactful, that brings me joy in other areas. And um, I love your message because it's it's nice to be able to point out that transition isn't always, you know, that difficult. You know, that sometimes it can be a nice, smooth transition Mm -hmm. based on... A simple question. Why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Is it, am I doing it for the right reasons or is it time? So good for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm
0: -hmm. That's excellent.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think that's what's so special. And that's what I think people need to really in any kind of transition think about, like there's sometimes some things are meant to come to an end, you know, and, and when you acknowledge that and move forward, it's just gonna make it, you know, more significant instead of making it painful where it's like, okay, and and even if you love something, um, I remember when Michael said, Cynthia, and I that really stuck with me when he said when he went on the ranch and that bull was chasing him and he got that feeling of being on the field and he's like, <laughs> This is my next step. This is my next stop, this is where I'm meant to be. And, you know, Kurt, with you. You know, with your with your heart, you know your service, and so I love that. That's kind of was like, you know, let me talk, and that's another thing I think people don't do enough. They don't talk and explore. Okay, this is things that I love. Let's see how I can fit that in, and say, you know, what I had a great chapter in the NFL. I loved my ten years, and now it's time for me to do something else. And let me explore. Let me talk. Let me think about this. You know, I'm a huge component in daydreaming. Some people call meditation. I call it daydreaming because I can't sit on a mat and just clear my mind. I have to walk and I have to move. But like everyone should be out there doing that every day Find that space where you can just daydream and think, what is next in my life? Am I where I am? Is this where I'm meant to be? Is this is what God has put me on this earth for? Or am I meant to be doing something else? Do I hear something else? Is there a calling for me? And I think so many people kind of stuff that because they're scared. They're nervous, whether it's failure or they don't know how to do it. Um, But I think we would be a better society, a better world if we all just found that daydreaming spot and then kind of chased or, or explored that that feeling that we get um, when we, you know, have a really good thought. So I, I love your story and I love how you, you know, really shared with everyone. And I love this next stage and I love that you're in Charlotte because I'll get to meet you in person too.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. And I love the fact that what you're doing, um, ha, you know, has those moments where like you get to see the kids at school, you know, yeah. you get to jump in and see them like at lunch, Right.
2: I rile up the class every time I see them. <laughs> it, it, the teachers probably get annoyed with me at times, but it's honestly, it's one of the perks um, being able to work at the same school where your kids go to. Um, I get to check in on them, good, bad, and or indifferent, check them out at lunch or just peek my head in the class and just see, are they really listening? And they are, they are really great students. I'll give them credit for that. They, um, they care about their education, which I'm, I'm very, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful that they that they love to go to school and, and be with their friends and learn new things um yeah and you know i I think the the bridge work that i'm on is now as a stewardship and scholarship administrator at charlotte latin is um helping to make uh make connections with our community to be able to have just a possibility um to come to latin because i think uh i do think part of our system of education is uh it's a it's a little broken it's a it's a little offside and and if I can get a few people every single year, just based. I
1: think, I think Kurt, you got a call,
2: huh? Oh, I think- am I frozen? There you go. Um, there. Um, did you guys hear me?
0: Just say if you can have the opportunity uh, to.
2: Ju- yeah, just the opportunity to uh, sit down and meet with the families and talk with them that this is, this is a once in a while Uh, generational changing opportunity to go to an independent school and and really talk about that bridge work of what that looks like, because Charlotte is one of those communities where upward mobility is one of the worst it is. And so, again, families that start off in in poverty, they usually stay in poverty here in Charlotte. And so I want to help kind of change that opportunity that they have through Mm. their education and the avenues that can come from there. Fantastic. And that's where it starts.
1: And so I love that you're doing that because you're not only serving the Charlotte Latin community, but you're serving, as you said, all of Charlotte and you're really thinking about, and that's what has come across in this whole conversation. You're not just thinking about the small, you're thinking about the greater people you can um, help and support. So I, I absolutely love that. I mean, I think it's beautiful. So anything else that you guys want to add? I know if you guys please go um follow Kurt and this will be all in the show notes so you guys will see this. He is at uh on Instagram, that's where he hangs out the most, and that is at K4 Cole K R C O L E 20. And um again, this will be going out. You guys can, you know, get this in the show notes as well. But, you know, Kurt, thank you so much for joining YNS Live with NFL Thread Pivot. I know when Cynthia said you were coming on, I said to the boys, and they said, Oh, mom, he's he's like tons of interception he's like the real deal i'm like well, yes i am aware of that <laughs> you know, guys they, thanks for acknowledging they're like oh mom you know they they still give me a hard time with my uh, you know tease me about the podcast so like, who are you talking to now and they are oh wow you know so and i just sent it to all my nephews and they were like oh my gosh this is so cool you know he's a panther so you know i love all the connections and you know thank you and you know cynthia do you want to uh, close out as we bring up the music
0: yeah, actually, yes. Please also include any information about Charlotte Latin because, you know, I was on the site and it's really exciting, you know, like how extensive, you know, the Academy just brings in, you know, kids from all over. So um, I want people to be more aware of what you're doing and anything that you're doing, you know, because you're doing so much, you know, even the Michaels Way golf tournament that's coming up, you know, that you're involved <laughs> in or your, you know, your events that you're doing. I think is the Ohio State doing the the cruise soon? or uh we did
2: we did it uh we did it in february and there'll be another one uh next february as well yeah, yeah.
0: information about that too i mean you do so much but god bless and love to laura
2: thank well, you thank you uh-huh. guys so much for having us on here I it has been a blessing to be able to just talk and and really just be transparent i think i think that's like i said vulnerability is a strength um, not a weakness and uh, i hope that some of this message resonates with anybody any of the listeners out there but just to know that um You know, we're in this all together as a a human race. And so how can we lean on each other and help support one another? Uh, I think that's the main mission. I love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank
1: you so much. Yes, and thank you, anyone that is joined. I know we had a ton of people on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and anyone that has been here in the show. I know there's a bunch of people that have stayed: Dave, Mark, Gina, Elizabeth, Heidi, and there's been people in and out because I've seen people, and I've been getting text messages. I can't stay, but I'm can't wait to listen to the replay. So if you're listening to the replay, the thing that's important is someone needs to hear the story. You might be like, "Oh, that's a great story. I feel connected," but someone else actually might need to hear this story. Someone might be in Charlotte and they don't know what to do, or they, you know, their child is in. A, a school that's not supporting them, and they need some some more support. So, reach out to Kurt. Send this episode to three of your friends, and have them send this out. You know, to three of their friends because storytelling is what it is all about. Stories connect us and make us better. And, um, you know, again, thank you so much, Kurt, for joining us live with NFL Thread Pivots, our new series. We will see you you guys with some new, really great things. And, um, you know, Cynthia and I always are bringing some great stories here for you guys to listen. So once again, make it a great day and have a great week. Thanks so much again.